Hey, welcome to the program. Uh, it is uh, the uh, pre-pre-big show, we think. Big show is going to probably be happening on Wednesday, but it's a pretty darn good pre-pre-big show. Uh, today, <laughs> we, we, we talk about al-Baghdadi, his death, the media, how Donald Trump handled this. Uh, also, we have news from the world of rap, Holmes, uh, that you, you really, what? You don't want to miss. Uh, I write the final episode of uh, of the uh, of the Star Wars. It's not a trilogy or sex. It's a trilogy it's of a trilogies. Trilogy of trilogies. And then Beto, uh, just learning just just this weekend. Hey, wow, ARs can be used for hunting. Who knew? Who knew? All on today's podcast. You're listening to. The best of the Glenn Beck program. So could we put up, a, if you happen to be watching The Blaze, let me just put up a picture of Donald Trump in the Situation Room uh, as uh, they they uh, watch al-Baghdadi being blown up in a tunnel. Um, do we have that picture? Can we put that picture up? Um, apparently not. Yeah, you do. I just, I thought I just saw it. Um, if, uh, if you can get that and also the picture, I'd like to see them side by side, the picture of Hillary Clinton, uh, as, uh, as she was sitting, remember it wasn't Barack Obama sitting at the center of the table. That's right. He was like off the side, slumped over, kind of like leaning back or something. Yeah. He was in the, he was, he was sitting on a couch, <laughs> like in the back, like, I don't know what to do here. So he's laying on a waterbed actually. <laughs> I uh, think he was. Yeah, they had put a waterbed With a bong with Katie Hill, I think. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, it, it was quite a different scene. Now, I, have you seen the picture of, of Donald Trump? Yeah, he's, it's pretty badass. Yeah, uh, he's, he's kinda, sitting yeah. right in the center. There it is. Yeah. He's sitting right in the center. He is alert. His shoulders are squared. Uh, notice everybody's in a, everybody's in a suit, unlike with, uh, with Barack Obama, who I think was in his PJs. He had a, a crop top, actually. Yeah. On. He was wearing a crop top on a waterbed, if right. I remember it correctly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a mesh crop top, which was a strange choice yeah. for a big operation like so that. So Barack Obama says it was the hardest decision that he had to make. And, and Joe Biden says hardest decision in 500 years. Oh, what a hard decision it was yeah. to get Osama bin Laden. Yeah. I mean, the world's most wanted terrorist killed thousands of our citizens. I, do you invite him to uh, to tea, or do you go <laughs> kill him? I don't know. Five hundred years of decision making. I don't know. I don't know what we do. There's there's Barack Obama sitting in the back. Hillary Clinton with her her hand over her mouth. Oh my gosh, what are they going to do to this poor man? Oh my gosh. That's, look at it's that. Fascinating. I mean, look these these are these are pictures they release. Right, they come from the White House, so it's not necessarily. Look, you can. It's not necessarily exactly how these operations go. It's how the White House wants to to message them, right? Yeah. And you look at the the picture from the Trump administration. It's 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 a message of strength. It's oh, a message oh. of, of yeah of like we went in there and, and kicked this guy's ass, right. and we're glad he's dead. Yeah. The message from the Obama White House is, oh my gosh, I can't believe we have to do such things. Oh my. oh my gosh! I don't oh know. I, this is this is a terrible downside of our job that we have to get rid of these people who may have gone down the wrong road. If but, we just listen to mm, them, if we just listen to them, if we could hit them with guns of therapy, we would if do we, that. If and we then, could, if we could just get rid of all of the guns in the world and have rainbow <laughs> ponies, oh, it would be the best. It could, would be the best. We unfortunately we are not going to do the flower in the gun procedure <sighs> we were you know, hoping for. It's just that they hate capitalism. Mm. They just hate our capitalism. That's how they, I mean, that's the messaging of a photo like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Barack Obama, they look pensive. They look like, oh man, I can't believe we have to do this. I guess we have to. And that's kind of how they treated the decision too. I mean, they waited for what, months? Six months. Days? It was, it was, I thought it was six months. Was it months. six months? I remember it being a very long time. Yeah. Which they had the information where they believed he was. Where he was pacing back and forth in the White House. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I don't know. My image of that night is not that picture. My image of that night was him upstairs. Remember, he was playing cards upstairs. He didn't even want to be in the Situation Room. They're killing Osama bin Laden. You have troops on the line, and you had you were upstairs playing cards? Like, oh, I don't know. Is this gin? I don't know. Can I play on that four? 
I mean, that, that's insane. And now look at the picture of, of Donald Trump sitting there right in the center, sitting erect. He's got uh, Pence right next to him. Pence looks serious, focused. Everyone in the room looks like kill them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They look confident. Uh, they look like they are concerned about our forces. But nobody is, oh. There's not a lot of cowering going no, on. No, there's none. There's zero. That's, the, that's a picture uh, that you send around the world that makes people say, these guys will come and get you. And you're the master of aesthetics on these things. Like, you notice looking at the two pictures, you're at table level for the Donald Trump picture. Like, the, they're all looking down, essentially, at you, Right. There's a where if you look at the Obama picture, it's, the, up. it's like the it's a selfie angle. It's like it's, really it's like good, looking down. Really good point. Isn't this what is the difference? Yeah. What, do you know what the difference is? Because when you know you when you when you're doing a movie, if you're doing a horror movie, you'll notice you're always looking up at the people. You know, you're looking up at Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. You're looking up at Michael Myers because mm-hmm. and they're looking down at you because they're in the position of power. Yeah, dominance. Where, where the opposite is true. In the Obama photo, like it's it, I mean it looks like the selfie. They they have it on a long selfie stick. And it's towards the ceiling and it's pointed down at you, which looks good for Instagram models. Not necessarily the right angle when you're trying to project strength. Especially, I mean, look whose head is the lowest in the picture. Put that picture back up. Look whose head is the lowest in that picture. Yeah, Barack Obama's. Yeah. He's the lowest. He's like buried in the corner. Yeah, he's in the corner. It looks like a little, like a little weakling, honestly. That's in, that's and, incredible. And they message this, right? I mean, like this is they can, put the picture back up of Donald Trump. <laughs> fascinated by this picture, but this is something that they choose to release. This isn't like okay, there happened to be a reporter in there who got the shot. This is you know, this you is their the photographer. Like there's focus. They're all staring at you from in the Trump photo. It you know it is an intensity. So you know what? Look at look at Donald Trump's head. His head is the highest if it wasn't that the other heads were coming closer to you. Right, yeah. He is sitting the highest in there, too. And look at the way he's just focused. I mean, these are two incredible pictures that really say everything. Absolutely everything you need to know about the two administrations and how they felt about killing terrorists. And so, yeah, it tells the story of their foreign policy, right? Yeah, I mean, the reason why ISIS well, exists is because of failures of the Barack Obama approach. So, yes and no. Yes and no. It is a failure. However, I don't think you really... I don't think any of us know what the actual policy was and still is, apparently, of the Democratic party and the obama administration and hillary clinton uh we have in doing the research for this wednesday's special we stumbled upon a name that kind of popped up in ukraine we're like wait a minute why do we know that name and none of us could remember so we went back into the files and just you know searched for the name and a name popped up that we haven't seen since around 2010 And it was when we were just finishing up at Fox, and it was a name that was uh, associated with several players. And I don't want to say too much, uh, because we want to make sure we have everything buttoned down and then bring it to you. Uh, We will tell you a little bit about it on this Wednesday show. But I'm telling you, I, I said to my wife, she said, "What what is it that you're working on? And I told her, and I said, honey... I think for the very first time, I have found something that if, if it is the policy still currently, and I believe it is, I think it's unknowingly, I think it is deep state. I mean, it's just, it was put into action and it's just running and it explains what they're truly doing in Ukraine. And uh, I said, honey, I, I think if this is really on autopilot and it doesn't stop and people know about it, 
I don't think I could fly the American flag anymore. It makes me so ashamed of what our country is doing. And nobody, I, I think both sides, Republicans and Democrats, when you hear what we have found, you will be so disgusted. And you will, I hope, rise up and I hope the president will declassify something uh, and then stop it. But it is deep state and what we're doing around the world. And it's not good. So when you see the little cowering pictures of the Obama administration, uh, that's not really who they are. That's not who they are. Uh, that's, the, uh, that's the face they put on. But it's much more um, accurate. See the little Hillary Clinton with her, with her hand over her mouth at that moment? Oh, Mike, what are we doing? Oh, oh, no. It's much more accurate picture of Hillary Clinton when she found out that uh, the Libyan uh, ambassador, the Libyan um, president, Muammar Gaddafi, was dragged through the streets and killed and beaten to death in the streets. Remember what she said? We came, we saw, he died. And then she laughed. That is truly the Obama policy and the policy at the State Department today. And we will show that to you. And we begin uh, this Wednesday in two nights. It's uh, part two of our chalkboard. This one is, all right, what's happened since? Uh, how has the media spun this? How are people how are people reacting to this? What are the updates? When you see the work that we've done on the media, uh, we take the, the 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 five principles of journalism, the five standards that you have to hit, and we show you how they've been dealing with what we had on the chalkboard and what they're saying is happening, and we compare them. To the five standards, they're violating every single one. And usually in every single story they do. We'll show that to you on Wednesday uh, and get you prepared for the, the big reveal. The Empire Strikes Back, if you will. Uh, and that is coming up in about three or four weeks. Make sure you join us at Blaze TV. Just go to blazetv.com, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Uh, and uh, put in the promo code Glenn, and you'll save $10 if you sign up for a year. But you can also just uh, sign up and, and try us out. And if you don't like it, you know, you can cancel. Um, but I, uh, I think you're going to love it. And we really appreciate all of your help because your subscriptions help us pay for these specials. Uh, and this one is coming up on Wednesday, so make sure you join us, blazetv.com. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Welcome to the uh, program. Hello, and uh, welcome to Mr. Pat Gray. Hello. So I saw Pat. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Pat got dressed up. He was at the M1 uh, ball and looked nice. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stu sat in the corner like a little mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, not. I, I was mean, like the Barack Obama of the picture. I was yeah. like in the back, slumped over. Yeah, and no one can really was. see. Your me. head was lower than just about anybody in the room. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. That's true. Yeah. 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 So uh, <laughs> he was. Uh, he was. Uh, you notice, and and uh, we have an announcement to make. Stu just signed a, a new deal with the uh, program, so he's going to be here for another show up for a couple more years 10 days or whatever it is we can tolerate very um but uh when i called him out and i'm like hey and Stu just you know he Mm. just signed a new deal he's he's got a he's got some money laying around Mm. on the couch now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was was appreciated by the way just wanted to yeah well you didn't stand up everybody's like where's Stu? yeah i could have given you that moment but i didn't did i I didn't (laughs) i didn't did i (laughs) i sat back there the right the people right around me knew because I was sitting with them and yeah. a couple of tables around me, but I was way in the yeah. back of the corner. Yeah, and you just got to sit up there and just like look around aimlessly for about thirty really quiet seconds. Yeah, it was and then awesome. Nothing, and then <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and I appreciate that. You're it welcome. was a it was a 
it was my least favorite uh, M1 uh, fundraising gala. Uh, Why? Why? <laughs> it's quite Why? an endorsement. Yeah. Because you guys knew, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I was uh, horrified when I when I found out. I was sitting at the table, uh, and um, and I had no idea what was coming my way. Uh, and we had been working on something for a couple of years, and I know who we were s- s- talking about giving it to uh, and decided, no, not this year, probably next year. And we had worked on this really beautiful award called the Bonhoeffer Award, and it's for people who will stand and speak in the face of evil. Bonhoeffer said... Uh, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to stand is to stand. Not to speak is to speak. God will not hold us uh, guiltless. Uh, and so it, it requires people who are willing to stand. So I'm sitting there, and I said to uh, I said to Suzanne, who's running the you know running Mercury One. I said, "Am I supposed to speak tonight? Because I heard I was supposed to speak and." I don't know what am I supposed to talk about, and she's like, "Oh, you know, Dad, didn't you get the notes?" And I'm like, "No." And she looks over at my wife, and my wife looks at me, and I said, "Do you have notes?" And she's like, "Yeah, I've got them in my purse." And I said, "Can you take them out of your purse? I think I'm supposed to speak in a few minutes. What am I supposed to say?" And then she looks strangely at Suzanne, and Suzanne said, "Ah, you'll be fine. Just ad lib it." And I'm like, "Just ad lib? I don't know what I'm <laughs> supposed to even talk about." <laughs> and uh, and so my wife is looking through the whole script that she had, and I'm like, I'm the one who has to speak. Can I look at the script? And she just gives me this dirty look, and she gives it to me like, okay, I know now why she didn't want to give it to me, because as I'm turning it and it says, uh, you know, Bonhoeffer Award, it says, you know, Glenn Beck, and it's being given to me. And that's when my name is said mm. on stage, Glenn Beck. And I'm like, wait, what? No, no. And I walk up and I gave this speech and I don't even know what I said. And it was, uh, I just walked off the stage just <laughs> not feeling good, not feeling good. It was the opposite of, I think, winning the Oscar, you know, because <laughs> they all think they deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is no... This was supposed to go to. I know who this is supposed to go to as a surprise. I know who this is supposed to. It's not supposed to go to me. It's supposed to go to them. Well, Pat and I, I think we're you know both uh, there, and we both feel the same way that you didn't deserve it either. Um, so we <laughs> now, are we, now we stand I, now with I, you. Now I think I deserve it <laughs> on that one. Isn't that a beautiful. Yeah, it's very really, cool. Who's the Favilli? Who? This is the guy. This is the one of the 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 uh, Disney artists. Oh, oh the, did that? They designed it. Yeah, designed it. It is a absolutely really cool. beautiful, beautiful award. Yeah, um, and it I thought be... it was going to be Bonhoeffer. You know, uh, it was, but that's not Bonhoeffer. No, it's an angel. Yeah, it's an angel. Okay, yeah, because yeah, it's Bonhoeffer's angel or something, right? No, the Bonhoeffer's angel award. No, it's <laughs> like Charlie's Angels, sure. but it was less popular. All right, all right, all right. Okay, <laughs> no. <we're... sighs> <laughs> it's not nearly as sexy. It's no, not nearly as sexy. No, no, it's not. No. I wish we it's would have not. known. I wish we would have known that Al Baghdadi was being killed as we were run, raising money, right, to help the people. Uh, you know, we we had an operative in. Didn't uh, didn't we announce from the stage? I I I kind of <laughs> lost track of everything, but I think it was announced from stage that there was a rescue mission that was happening during the event. And we rescued another uh, another group of uh, people that had been kept slaves. Wow! Uh, during that uh, event on Saturday. Mm. Um, but what did you think of Al Baghdadi? It wasn't the toughest decision in 500 years. No, it was the second toughest uh, because <laughs> the toughest was Osama. It was actually they're actually calling it the third toughest decision in the last 500 years. Really? What Number was one the... was Osama bin Laden. Yeah. 
Number two was extending daylight savings time another uh, month. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of weird. Wow. Yeah, and then wow. and then El Baghdadi was third huh. after that. Uh-huh. Now I, I mean thought, that's a really uh, tough I had decision. heard. I had heard. I didn't know about the second <laughs> place, mm-hmm. but I had heard third was actually. So it may have moved this into fourth. I had heard the f- uh, third was actually when Barack Obama last year decided to uh, stop using uh, Johnson and Johnson. No more tears shampoo. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it gets in your eyes. It's a hard decision, too. It's very hard. It gets in your eyes and it causes you to cry. Yeah. And when you stop using it, yeah, then you do start crying yeah, when you you're shampooing. It's, it's not good. It's <laughs> not good. Not good. It is not. Yeah. But I heard he had to switch to head and shoulders hmm. because mm-hmm. at some point you've got enough dandruff. <laughs> right. And so. But I, apparently I think, you don't have enough money. No, that's. You no. never have never enough money. Never you know, have enough you know, money. Some point you have too big of a house. Really? Because really? it doesn't seem like that. You just bought a $15 million house. Strangely yeah. on an island when you're telling us that within 10 years, all the islands are going to be underwater. <laughs> yes. Which is weird. That's a weird investment. Very weird. It is and a very weird investment. The actions versus words thing on global it, warming incredible? Is, is fascinating among rich liberals, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, you just go, go down and you see. Okay, uh, you look at the coastline of Miami uh, and in and, and southern Florida, which is just littered with beautiful homes built nine inches away from the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they just continually tell us that this, this torturous uh, ocean level rise is going to uh, wipe out city after city after city. Al Gore has maps where they're animated and there's water all over Florida. Yet they keep investing millions and millions of their own dollars. Well, and he bought well, in Malibu right on a right, cliff. Now, hang right on just a second. Not necessarily millions and millions of their own dollars. Yes, they buy the house, but they know that if anything happens to that house because of weather, it is the average person that is paying the taxes that actually pay for their insurance. The flood insurance, This yeah. is one of the mm-hmm. first things I would get rid of, and it would not be popular. It would not be popular. But if, if I were president, one of the first things I would do, well, I mean, maybe on day seven. Maybe on day seven. There's a lot of other things probably bigger than this. But stop guaranteeing insurance for the mm. big houses in mm. Malibu and in Miami and all up and down the coastline. You can't you know, subsidize rich people's homes. This is no, essentially what we do. That's exactly what it is. And you feel bad in some places, like in Houston, th- those were not necessarily you know expensive homes. They were homes in low-lying areas. Mm-hmm. But you know the idea is you shouldn't build in a low-lying area because... You couldn't get the insurance, and so we never did. Like the homes in Houston are miles and miles inland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they're not built right on the beach. Correct. Correct. They're built 100 miles inland and being flooded. That's a a big difference. If you you couldn't get insurance through any kind of regular insurance, you shouldn't build a house there. Now, if it is like a 100-year flood, Mm -hmm. that's fine. That's fine. Hundred year flood. That's fine. Well, those are the type of things too that insurance companies will insure. Yeah. It's, yes. It, it's, yes. It becomes too expensive when these houses are getting right on the beach constantly. If right. it's a, it's a, if it's an annual floodplain, that's a little different. Right. Than yeah. A five hundred year floodplain. Right. Or you don't. Year. You don't build things there, and and yeah. we are paying for every large mansion. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. Mar Lago has that insurance. Has government insurance? I mean, uh, you it has to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing. It's not necessarily. Look, there's a lot of people who built homes in these areas under the under with the understanding they were going to be able to get this insurance, and that's one thing. But the continuation of that policy is just incentivizing people to do it more often, which is why the hurricanes, when they come, cost so much more than they did yeah. years ago because it, there's so many more expensive structures right on the water. I was just I just saw an article about a uh, place in South Carolina that was completely wiped out. I forget which hurricane it was. It was like a hurricane 20, 20 years ago that completely wiped out the area and then uh, destroyed every home in there. So what they do? They built right back up. In fact, closer to the shore. Bigger homes closer to the shore. Yeah. And it should not happen. It's ridiculous. We should give, if you live in a place like that, that has been wiped out over and over again, we should we should end the federal insurance by saying this. Look, we'll pay you for the home right now, 
uh, to, you know, for the, the your home has been wiped out. Great. But you cannot rebuild here. Mm-hmm. You, you can rebuild if you want, but we're never going to cover this insurance ever again. Ever. Go build your home someplace else. I, part of it is just like, you know, the American spirit of being like, we got knocked down. We're going to build it up again, right? Never going <laughs> to. Yes, we are Chumbawamba. Yeah, it was. Yes, they go to Chumbawamba there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that happened. Wow, we're quoting songs from Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. All right, thank you very, thank you very much. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. All right, we are in the danger zone. Mm-hmm. As I as I give you word from the streets to your mother... Please don't do that again. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit? <sighs> All right. Let's get jiggy with it <laughs> and uh, talk about a couple of uh, items in the rap world. Uh, first of all, <laughs> what? Oh, no. You're doing a very good and convincing job as a, um, a major reporter in the world of rap. On Saturday night... Rapper YG, mm. as he's no, I call him just Y. I listen to him, and people will say, what's that? And I'll say, no, the question is, why? Are you sure it's not pronounced G? Yeag. Nope. Okay. Nope. Okay, you're not sure. <laughs> okay, I'm just make sure. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> at a concert with YG on Saturday, uh, he noticed that a fan was not mm. singing along to his very popular anti-Trump anthem, which is so super super clever. F Donald Trump. Mm. So he... Uh, Do you want to go through some any of the lyrics? I don't think he goes much deeper than F. Donald Trump. Okay. okay. So let's see if they had any really... Maybe they had some information on the Russia investigation enclosed in the rap <laughs> that we need to no. look into. No. No? No. Okay. Uh, so he invited the, uh, the less than enthusiastic fan in the crowd who might have, because we all do, might have loved all of the other super, super classics from YG, mm-hmm. uh, but just didn't like this particular song. So he invites him. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So he invites him up on stage. And do we have the uh, audio and video here? Here it hey, is. Listen. I spotted you out in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I asked you if you f***ed Donald Trump, you said you don't know. So since you don't know, I need you to make up your mind tonight. I need you to uh, say your name. I want you to state your name because I know your mama, your daddy, your grandmama, your grandfather is watching. I want you to state your name and yell out Donald Trump. Don't do it. Look at this. No, you won't. This is a brave kid. Get his out of here. Get him out of the stand. And pushes him. Yeah, <laughs> Donald Trump supporter. Get his out of Pushes him off stage. Uh, don't come to a mother effing show with yg on the mother effing bill Mm -hmm. if you a donald trump supporter the rapper continued f are you doing don't let this a back in the crowd tell him yg said so Mm. donald trump's racist he don't f with black people Mm -hmm. so if you f with donald trump you racist as F, and I can F with you, period. Almost poetry. is beautiful. Especially the way you deliver it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, I am, I am all up with rap. And to be fair, you're from the streets. Uh, so I grew up in the streets. Grew so up, I, mm-hmm. I was there at the birth of rap. 
You, well, just the screaming part of the birth. Yes, of rap. yes. You know that part. Mm-hmm. Of rap. Uh, that's uh, an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting line. I don't, I don't think rappers would enjoy the economics of rap without white suburban kids who might support Donald Trump. That's not a. That's not an economic picture you want to necessarily uh, go into. Because well, you're going to find there's a lot of white suburban kids. Who, yeah, but you don't realize mm-hmm. that uh, YG is an artist. Oh, so he doesn't care about the economics of it? No. Because I, I, I saw I saw as they panned to the right, I saw an American apparel sign on stage. No. Which I thought no, don't. It seemed like he might care about economics. No, no. he doesn't. He doesn't care. Because I remember a time, you know, as and I'm not a historian of rap as you are. As I am. Um, but I do remember a time in which one of the common uh, attacks on other artists was, was that they were sellouts. Right, like that. Oh, they're selling out to just corporate interests. They're not actually artists. They're just trying to make money. And like, mm. for example, if you had a giant American Apparel sign on stage with you while you were rapping, like <laughs> that maybe, might have been a sellout. Yeah. No, but that's not. not the way it is now. No, okay, not on the streets. Mm. Not in the hood. I'll tell you this: no white people ever have shopped at American Apparel before. No, I'll tell you that. Definitely right now. not. Only. No. Only, only uh, Trump haters yeah. have gone to American Apparel. Now, would you like more from the uh, the rap world? I feel so educated right now okay, after hearing good. this segment All right. that I do need more. Okay, well, you know, uh, Kanye. Yes. And that's... I call him K. You do? And uh, uh, Kanye mm-hmm. is, um, uh, he's got a new album out. He does. Yeah. Jesus is king. And he said he would not sleep until this album was out. And so that was 16 months ago he said that. And Friday, a very, very tired (laughs) Kanye West uh, put out Jesus is king. Now, which is a, I mean, hmm? a remarkable cultural development. In a lot of ways. I mean, I know I don't care about Kanye West's uh, music. I know you're you're the rap aficionado here on this program. Uh, I don't care at all about what he raps about generally. But, I mean, the idea that Kanye West, go back a few years, think about him standing with a terrified Mike Myers on a telethon saying George W. Bush doesn't care about black people. Terrified. To, to the point where he is now not only embracing Donald Trump, which is remarkable in and of itself, but now releasing what seems to be like a legitimate gospel album. <laughs> like it's not even, it's not like a, you know, I mean, he's been calling himself the king for how long? Now Jesus is king. And it's coming out and, and uh, it is a remarkable development. And I hope... I, I hope I, it's sincere. It does I seem hope it's sincere. Not like, it does. And it, I just, I hope it's not like... Well, like somebody standing on stage with American Apparel, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. logo right next to them. Anyway, right. closed on Sunday, you're my Chick-fil-A. Hold the selfies. Put the gram away. Get your family. Y'all hold hands and pray. The lyrics, of course, from you're my Chick-fil-A. That's interesting, because I almost thought you were playing the song. That was such a convincing Kanye. When you, that was you reading it. When you got daughters, always keep them safe. Watch out for vipers. Don't let them indoctrinate. Closed on Sunday, you, my Chick-fil-A. You're number one with the lemonade. Raise our sons. Train them in the faith. Through temptations, make sure they're wide awake. Follow Jesus, listen and obey. No more living for the culture. We nobody's slave. Mm, that's a- Closed on Sunday. You, my Chick-fil-A. Wow. That's beautiful, Glenn, the way yeah. you did that. Thank you. Uh, of all the things to praise at Chick-fil-A, I feel like lemonade is a strange choice. It would well, not be the first thing I would think of when you think I, of Chick-fil-A. Can I ask you where the rhyme is in that one? When you got daughters, always keep them safe. Watch out for vipers. Don't let them indoctrinate. Closed on Sunday. You, my Chick-fil-A. You're my number one with the lemonade. <laughs> Doesn't I really. Filet, lemonade. <laughs> I think that's what oh, he's okay. going for here. Closed on Sunday. You, my Chick-fil-A. <laughs> You're my number one with the lemonade. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. I've, uh, now, I don't know. I, I will say you are. 
uh, an aficionado in the world of, of rap. I'm more of an the, iconic hero in the rap in, world. In the rap world. Yeah. You come from the streets. We yes. know that. Yes. I've been told by people who uh, have more insight mm-hmm. in rap quality that mm-hmm. Kanye, not necessarily known for his rapping as much as his producing. So his rapping, when he go, when he's doing the, the, uh, the actual rapping well, of the this. words, is let not necessarily a strong suit. Is Christmas known for its rapping? No. It's the gift inside that counts. And you know what that rhymes with? Lemonade. Thank you very much. I'm pretty much. sure. I think we're, I, I think we're done here. Okay. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Like listening to this podcast? If you're not a subscriber, become one now on iTunes. And while you're there, do us a favor and rate the show. Uh, we could also have you on the job of writing headlines for the media. Because this is a difficult gig. Yes. you got to understand, you well, got to come up with creative new ideas every single day. Yeah. It's really hard. I don't think it's as hard as some people think it is. Really? I mean, some, I mean let's go through some of the headlines. This is uh, Beckett Adams posted these. It's amazing. Uh, June 2016, mm-hmm. the beginning of Trump's end. June 2016, the beginning of the end for Trump? That was a question mark at the yeah. end of that one. See the difference? Right. You see yeah, the subtle difference there? I do, I do. August 2016, will Trump's attack on the cons be the beginning of the end for his White House hopes? Mm-hmm. October 2016, is this the beginning of the end of Donald Trump? Again, it's a question. Who knows? February 2017, this is the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. Mm. February 2017, is General Flynn the sacrificial <laughs> lamb or the beginning of the end for <laughs> Donald Trump? See, again, a statement. Question. I, I don't know. Uh, March 2017, in the White House, things are looking bad. This could be the beginning of the end for Trump. Statement. Mm. Next one's got to be a question. <laughs> if CNN's new Russia report is true, we may be seeing the beginning of the end of Donald Trump's presidency. Wow. The beginning May, of the end. Mm-hmm, May 2017. Mm-hmm. Is it the beginning of the end for Trump? Even elected Democrats can feel it. Oh, mm. if Democrats are going to say it, well, oh. then you got to believe it. They're such credible what did arbiters Nancy of Pelosi truth on this say? one. Did she say, was she out there now saying, on the, you know, I used to be on the Trump train, but now I question it. Uh, February 2018. John Dean warns Gates' testimony may be the end of Trump's presidency. Mm. Mar- I don't even remember Gates' testimony. That's how many things have happened. March 2018. Is this the beginning of Trump's end? See, that's Ooh. totally different. It was the, the end of Trump. The end of Trump or the beginning of the end of Trump. This is the beginning of Trump's end. Mm. Okay? You mm. notice the subtle difference. Yes. April 2018, Michael Cohen and the end stage of the Trump presidency. Wow. August 2018, the beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. August 2018, Donald Trump may have finally reached the beginning of the end. <laughs> Well, at least they're recognizing it. We've been printing these stories for two damn years. Uh-huh. He may have finally reached it. <laughs> November 2018, the end of Trump. Mm. Now we're just like stating it. Mm-hmm. No, December 2018, Trump's latest meltdown shows even he knows this could be the beginning of the end. <laughs> it could be. It could it's be. Not the even end. he knows. Nancy Pelosi's known for a long time, but even he knows it could be. Yeah, I love that because... We have to recognize here all the the qualifying parts of this. Like, it's not the end. It's the beginning of the the end. end. And it could be the beginning of the end. And Trump, even he might know that it could be the beginning of the end. So, you know, what's amazing about that, though, when you think about it, is they can't even agree on the beginning. It's not like the beginning (laughs) of the end happened and Uh all of these things are happening now. So we're at the middle of the beginning of the end. Right. No, it's just the we're be- still there. Like, forget about that beginning. Yes, because that didn't work out. This one is the beginning. They keep changing the beginning. We're not even in the middle. No, every time it fails and they're like, yes, but this one. Right. Did you see his caloric intake? <laughs> How about January 2019? This looks like the beginning of the end for Trump mm. or September 2019. Could this impeachment inquiry be the end of Trump's presidency? The good thing about this is 
sometime before January 2025, they're going to nail this. They're going to be right. They're going to have it. As he's on the stairs (laughs) waving goodbye, they'll say, could this be the end of Donald Trump? And they will be wrong yet again. Yes. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So Joe Biden is in a high school and, um, you know, he's the guy who said, hell, yes, we're going to take your AR-15s. Is they letting Biden in high schools now? I'm sorry, Seems... not Biden. Uh, J- uh, oh. Beto O'Rourke. Oh, okay. Uh, so Beto O'Rourke is in high schools and uh, a high school students says, excuse me, you've said, hell, yes, I'm going to take your AR-15s. But I go deer hunting and that's what I use. Why are you taking that away? Now, Beto claims this is the first time he heard that people use those for, as hunting rifles. Mm, of course. Shut that. What do you think they're used for? Well, it's also, if that's true, let's take him at his word for a moment. Then he does not have enough information about the topic to make policy recommendations. Exactly right. Exactly right. He also said, you know, I've heard about it, you know, in Texas with feral hogs. Oh, so you do know that they are used to hunt things. Okay. Well, that's like hunting deer. Except feral hogs have to be killed because they destroy everything on these ranches. The guy lives in Texas. He is he is preaching about gun safety and and removing a firearm from your house door to door with a sheriff and he didn't know those were a modern sporting rifle the guy's an idiot <laughs> but he folds to this teenage kid listen to what he says so this is the first time that i've that i've heard the case made for using an AR-15 to hunt deer. Uh, I've heard uh, feral hogs in, in Texas, which are a real problem on a lot of the ranches and farms in, in my home state. Per- perhaps a way um, to address uh, a legitimate concern or need is to ensure that those who have or want to use an AR-15 are able to keep it at a, a hunting club or at a gun range. So that there is some control and safeguard still placed on that firearm. Um, but this is why I'm here. I, I want to listen to those who feel perhaps differently than I do, including your high school and, and ideas in whatever becomes the final piece of, of legislation or the law that, that we adopt. This is why I'm at a high school, so I could listen to the experts. So I can. This is the first time you've ever heard that these guns were used uh, for hunting. That's absolutely incredible. What? 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 what what are they purchased for? Seriously, what are they purchased to for? To murder, Glenn. They're purchased to murder. It's their only use. Their only possible use is to murder. This so, is why... You know, well, if I want to get to those feral hogs, I can keep my rifle at the gun range. So all I have to do is get all of the hogs into the back of my truck. Yeah, bring them over to the gun range. Bring them over to the gun range, and then I can have my gun there to shoot them. That sounds pretty reasonable. You know, if I could put them in, if so, if I like, I like to shoot skeet. So if I could put them in, you know, loaded in one of the skeet shooters, you know, where you just pull whoosh, and yeah. a feral hog, wee, wee, wee. right? That'd be fun. That sounds like a the, right. the Beto sort of policy yeah. prescription for this one. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a bizarre thing because such a small percentage of rifles are ever used for any negative purpose, and one of the big complaints. Uh, from the left seems to be we really don't like the guns that work well like we like it's okay if you have ones if you have a flintlock that's fine right but this one if it shoots accurately they even say that they'll be like these are precisely accurate well what the hell do you want a gun to be it's supposed to fire at the I thing like you want to hit i like one where the barrel can be bent both ways <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you never know what you're gonna hit <laughs> what's in front of you what's behind you what's beside you you never know yeah i mean the whole point is that you can hit the thing you're supposed to hit obviously a very tiny percentage of people have decided to use these things in bad ways. 
But we saw a mass shooting again this weekend that had nothing to do with an AR-15. You look at m- many of the mass shootings that have happened with handguns or shotguns or any. Exactly why we should take all guns. Yeah. And that's the next Beto thing, right? Yeah, and they should be kept in Beto's basement. You can just go over to his house, knock on the door, and say, hey, Beto, I need my gun. And then he'll say, well, bring the robber or whoever is here. Mm-hmm. I'll give you your gun. You can sign it out, and then you can keep him. <laughs> Do not threaten him with that gun. No. But you can, you can use your gun, just not towards him, until the police arrive. That's basically where we're headed. <laughs> that's really that's where we're headed. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Joe Biden. Mm. Uh, Joe Biden, apparently, according to a, a, a new poll, um, 27% of likely Democratic voters would be dissatisfied with Joe Biden. 27%. Mm-hmm. That is higher than the 21% that would be dissatisfied with Bernie Sanders as the nominee. And, you know, Biden's running as a sort of consensus candidate, right? The case for his election is that nobody's completely offended by his uh, his his policy platforms. Okay, so I think I think this could be true because Biden is the corrupt candidate like Hillary Clinton, old establishment corrupt candidate, right? And that's what that's what people on the the uh, the conservative side wanted to get rid of the corrupt candidate that was part of the system. So I can understand that you don't necessarily like him, but that but for for it to be six points higher than those who don't want the avowed socialist who is saying we're going to get rid of the free market, that's pretty stunning. So twenty one percent are dissatisfied with Sanders. 15% would be unhappy if Warren was the nominee. Only 9% dislike Mayor Pete Buttigieg, which is also starting to come up. Have you noticed? I've got a story someplace where they are talking about how, uh, right here, uh, let's see, an emerging scenario where Buttigieg wins the nomination. For a rising star in the party, vastly overperforming expectations in crowded presidential field would easily be considered a victory in its own way. But there's a real reason to think Pete Buttigieg could win this nomination outright. One such rather plausible scenario is starting to develop right before our eyes, and it starts as these things often do in Iowa. Two polls this last week had good news for Buttigieg in the the leadoff caucus state. Suffolk University and USA Today poll had the mayor in third place at 13%. More importantly, he was just five points off Biden's first place lead of 18. There were a lot of undecideds in this survey at 29%. They were uh, four behind Elizabeth Warren's 17%. Bernie Sanders had fallen back to fourth. So it's Buttigieg at 13, Elizabeth Warren at 7, and Biden at 18, with 29% undecided. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a case here. Uh, Buttigieg is a, he's a guy that I don't think has really excited Democrats so far. He's sort of boring, but he's well-spoken. He's obviously a pretty smart guy. Uh, and he has some intersectionality, uh, intersectionality uh, value. For the left. The other thing that's great for Buttigieg is the two states that vote first are super duper white. They're like the whitest of the white, the whitest whitey people of all times. And that, that's the problem for Biden. Biden's got to go through three elections before he gets to a, a, a large African-American voting base. And it's like, that's where he's super strong. But if you lose three states in a row. Can you survive that? Well, um, you have Buttigieg, who's only uh, constituency seems to be white. Yep, white, white uh, and liberal. Yeah. Um, as I, soon as you get out of white liberal, you are in trouble with le- Buttigieg. I mean, legitimately, when you break down the cross tabs of these polls, he's showing up at zero and one percent among black voters. Yeah, That's a problem. Only, it's only zero. Only one place to go up. <laughs> That's true. And they can write another article about how he's increasing his support among black voters. I mean, look, Biden is uh, has a case here to still make i mean he he really hasn't fallen apart nationally despite all the press about warren he's stuck right around the same area the difference has been some of sanders support has gone away and has gone to warren 
But Sanders or Biden's been right around twenty five to twenty seven percent this entire time, um, and you know he hasn't really fallen apart. His campaign seems to be asleep. I mean, it, was it the, what did you say the zombie campaign? They're describing it as the zombie, zombie campaign. campaign. It's kind of apt. I mean, like think about this: the Biden thing happens with uh, Ukraine and the whole uh, Trump situation. They're going through this impeachment. I made this case before. If you are Biden, you need to take the hand that you're dealt. If you want to win this nomination, you're out there every single day bragging about how Trump felt the need to call a foreign president to get dirt on me because I'm such a great candidate. He knows I'm going to beat him, so he's trying to break all the rules to beat me. I'm the guy that can beat him, and he even knows it. That's the case you're making to the American people. It's the case you're making to raise money. It's the case you're making on every left-wing talk show, but he's not doing that. He's barely doing anything. Let me give you another example. What's going on with Syria right now? Syria, the Kurds, um, uh, all these battles going back and forth between Turkey. This has been in the news cycle mm. like crazy, right? And what's the fundamental part of this? The Kurds want their own homeland, right? The Kurds want their own homeland. Turkey doesn't think they should have it. Nobody thinks they should have it, right? This entire region, the Kurds want their own homeland. Well, if you go back to the Iraq war when that was all going on and everyone was coming up with their ideas... There was one guy, Joe Biden, who actually recommended that Iraq be uh, divided Divided into into three three countries, right, where the Kurds would have their own homeland. Now, you can go back and look at that policy and shoot holes in it like crazy, and you could say it wouldn't work and it's not the right prescription. But again, Joe Biden is running for president of the United States. It's his job and his team's job to take advantage of news events and say, this is where the president was. If you or He should be the president because if he were the president back in, uh, in this time, he would have done this. The Kurds would have had their own homeland and maybe this wouldn't even have happened. How can you not be making the case? He's the only guy I can remember ever recommending mm-hmm. that policy prescription. Yes. It was a big deal at the time. Huge. And instead, he just is sitting back as if he's, well, I know a lot about foreign policy. Why don't you describe some of the specifics? Why not take advantage of what's going on? His campaign seems to be completely inept at this. Every other candidate is doing this, and he can't seem to do it. Okay, so this is from New York Magazine that calls it the zombie campaign, and it's... it's Obliterates him. Obliterates him. Okay, so this is from, like, page 15 uh, it's a strange dynamic. The most qualified candidate in the race surrounded by an entitled staff who don't understand that they have to fight for the nomination or even the presidency, but without a real case to make beyond a Democratic succession that would amount to an Obama restoration. One person close to the, the Biden family said, the problem is Joe has no center. He's literally only a politician. That's who he is. That's all he is. Mm. Biden is fundamentally a toady. He's just political. He needs to kiss ass. He'll kiss ass. <laughs> um, I mean, it is it is remarkable what they are saying. Of course, um, Biden is consumed with endorsements, another side of his perhaps outdated political instincts, getting insiders to declare their support meant something when powerful political machines controlled the primary process. But it doesn't have relevance to presidential politics today. And the only endorsement that could matter hasn't materialized. Barack Obama has remained silent on the 2020 primary, even as he saw fit to involve himself In Canadian affairs, endorsing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, a senior White House official reflecting on Biden's weakness, told me Biden should have never even entered the race without knowing he'd have the former president's support. Of course, that was always less of a sure thing than it might have been that it might have seemed. In 2016, Obama went all in for Hillary, even as Joe Biden was contemplating a run. In the early stages of this race, he didn't just avoid allying himself with Biden, but gestured toward other candidates, including many unlikely contenders, including Deval Patrick, the former governor of Massachusetts, possibly to discourage his former vice president from running. I mean, they are they do not want him to be president the far left and the media the blaze radio network on demand